It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. This week, we are going to have some schedule alterations to tell you about. We are going to not have an episode tomorrow. So depending on when you're listening to this, we're not going to record on Monday this week. We will, however, be back on Tuesday with a guest. It will be Pro Football Focus's lead college analyst, Mike Renner lead draft guy for them so we'll talk about the Bengals draft with Mike and lead General... bachelor don't forget that yeah we'll ask him we probably won't ask him much about his experience on the bachelor because I feel like those questions have been exhausted but you probably know him because he represented Cincinnati on the bachelor and was one of the first three off the show I think he also <laughs> tried to train himself to run a 40 and I don't remember what time he ended up running but he, he's a very good athlete he can dunk he can dunk. I've seen that video. Uh, then on Wednesday, we have Brandon Thorne, new uh, Ath- writer for The Athletic. Athletic Denver. Yes, Denver. Yep, specifically in Denver doing film analysis, I think. And another offensive line guru who we have leaned on and enjoyed his evaluations over the years. And we'll talk to him about Jonah Williams and Michael Jordan. Yep. Today, however... We will talk about the schedule, which we are very delinquent on. I'm sure you've wanted us to go through the schedule for quite a while. And we have talked about it in passing and mailbags and such. Today, we're going to go into each opponent. And we'll look at some of the top uh, free agent signings they had. And we'll look at the draft and how this kind of impacted their team. And give our feelings on each game. We're and that's to- why we waited, right? Because the for the Bengals, the draft is their major talent acquisition. So we wanted to make sure we had that before we go off and say wins, loss, or whatever, how we feel about the matchups. I mean, the draft is it's huge in determining that. And we still don't know who's going to make the team in some of these cases either. Not sure. that that will generally change the outcome of the game because if you're not making a team, well, you probably weren't impacting the game anyway. Right. That said, we'll do it in two halves. The, the bye week, conveniently for us and conveniently for the Bengals, comes right at week nine, right in the middle of the season after that London game against the Los Angeles Rams. Looking at the preseason schedule quickly, and we'll gloss over this, I think, just yeah. in case you don't know it for whatever reason, they have two road games first at Kansas City, at Washington. Then they host the Giants, so for that dress rehearsal game and we'll see if uh zach taylor handles it any differently than marvin lewis too we don't really know what his approach to the preseason is going to be that that's exciting actually we get to see daniel jones in that game we we will likely get to see at least a quarter ryan finley versus daniel jones for at least a quarter at least right for it probably finish the game it'll probably be dalton and eli right for the half for half and then maybe those the first guys drive may finish the third quarter yeah, and those guys may finish the, the game or, you know, give the third string guy, whoever it is for each team, uh, one drive or two drives at the end. 
Yeah, and that'll be Driscoll, I guess, for the Bengals at that point. And then the customary Indianapolis Week 4 game of the preseason. This time it's in Cincinnati. So if you're a big Ryan Finley fan, go check out That's the game week for you against Indianapolis. I remember least, Jeff Driscoll's week. Week uh, Was it week that? No, it could have been because they finished against the Colts. I remember, I'm thinking of Driscoll as a second-year guy uh, shaking the bucks in preseason. Remember that and going all the way for the touchdown or on the left side there? I want to say it was a read option. He, he jukes the corner and then goes uh, 20 yards or so maybe. I probably didn't watch it. I love preseason. Yeah, preseason, I mean, you get to see all your your – Deep draft cuts, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's why. And guys like Deron Smith, you know, he doesn't make the roster ultimately, but you see him play and make a lot of plays in preseason. So it's like, okay, you feel validated then, and then that same guy gets cut a week later, and you're like, okay, back to normal. So let's get started. I'm looking at the schedule on ESPN, which also tells me ticket prices. So I'll mention those just because it's kind of fun to see how crazy high the ticket prices are for some games. Especially out-of-town games, right? Yeah, so especially out-of-town games. And uh, the cheapest game is on the road. And obviously the most expensive is in London. But barring London, the most expensive game is also on the road. Seattle? Seattle. The very first week of the season, the Bengals travel to Seattle for a 105 start. This is 105 Pacific time. So this is going to be a 405 start for the Bengals. The Seattle Seahawks at home are very, very difficult to beat. That new O-line is going to be tested, man. False starts and, and all that with the 12th man. That'll be uh, an interesting test. It will be. Seattle had a weird draft, too. So they start out by taking LJ Collier, who nobody had in the first round, and was one of the biggest shocks of the early part of the draft. But knowing Seattle, right. he'll probably have two sacks against the Bengals or something like that <laughs> or you know, against Bobby Hart. Of pressure. Yeah, if, it, if it's Bobby Hart, that's <laughs> I, get, the, the, I saw your face in the video here when I said that. Jake blinks like three times like he can't even believe that's a scenario week one. <laughs> uh, yep. Um, so they also, man, I'm, I'm like flustered. The, <laughs> the, the, the Seahawks lost Earl Thomas in the secondary, of course. Right. They, they traded Frank Clark for a ridiculous haul of draft picks. For LJ Collier, basically. Which they turned into LJ Collier. Uh, then they drafted DK Metcalf in the second round, at the end of the second round. So somebody's going to have to contend with DK Metcalf's immense physicality and Russell Wilson's ability to throw the deep ball on those vertical routes. Sure. They also got... Uh, one of Joe's favorite guys, Greg Jennings, in the fourth round, and two yeah. of our favorite linebackers in terms of our grading system and athleticism, and Cody Barton and Ben Burkirvin, who join the guy that I wanted the Bengals to sign, K.J. Wright, and, of course, Bobby Wagner at linebacker. So that defense still looks quite tough. Yeah. They, they may lose a little bit in pass rush and a little bit losing Earl Thomas. Yeah, I was going to say, who who are their corners? Well, they draft uh, Shaquem Griffin from a couple years ago. Yeah, uh, slot guy. Who they re signed? Is, is, is he slot? I thought uh, they signed a slot guy, didn't they? Maybe I'm mistaken. A free agent. I thought Griffin was an outside guy. Anyways, uh, and I was I, also going to say there's concern Doug Baldwin may never play again, actually. And that, that's why they invested heavy at wide receiver with two picks. Right. 
Right, and they also drafted. Who's the other receiver they drafted? Greg Jennings, right? Oh, did they Greg get a Jennings. third one? Yeah, no, okay, you're right. Yeah, and Jennings is a slot guy. I think that that is a nice. Um, if even if Baldwin plays, that's a nice guy to have behind him, maybe learning from him. Yeah, so if Baldwin doesn't play, that is a big blow for them because Baldwin's one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Not the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. Then on top of that, you've got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and then it'll probably be – it's hard to say. They have a ton of receivers on their roster right now. Yeah, they guys have, that have had moments. They have 13 receivers on their roster right now, and a lot of those guys obviously won't make the team, but that's – a lot of competition. The offensive yeah. line looks a lot better for them, I think, than it has at least part of it. Mikey Utapati on the right side with Dwayne Brown at, uh, sorry, on the left side probably. At left yeah, tackle. That, that is yep. left. Yep, because Effetti's at right tackle, I believe. Yep, Jermaine Effetti at right tackle. So the offensive line, a little bit better than it has been for the highest paid player in football. Or is he still Russell Wilson? Oh, I, I think so, right? Did anyone else get a deal afterwards? I don't I don't remember. Probably not. They did not pick up the fifth-year option on Effetti, though. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they view him going forward. He's still only 24 years old, a lot of development. Once they got Tom Cable out of there as the offensive line coach, I think their old line really took a step forward last year. They've also got Nick Vanette at tight end, the <laughs> and Drew Sample we'll comparable. Right. right. They've got two Drew Samples on their, on their tight end rotation. So uh, – I still feel like that's a, a tough matchup, though, uh, just so we don't, you know, spend too long on week one. I think that is one of their, maybe their toughest game. What do you think? Week it's, one in Seattle. I think New England on week 15 is probably worse for them. Pittsburgh think, Monday night. Yep. And that, yeah, Pittsburgh Monday night. And I think London, Los Angeles. Those are the three hardest games on the schedule. Yeah, I just like Seattle with the Bengals having a new staff may need to find their footing, probably don't hit the ground running. And you're, even though Taylor should have some experience going to Seattle and, and coaching, right? Trey Flowers is their other outside corner. Yes, Zach Taylor should have some experience there. It's crazy how deep Seattle's linebackers are. The Bengals, on one, on the one hand, don't care about linebackers at all. Seattle, on the other hand, drafted Cody Barton and Ben Burkirvin. And they're behind Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, uh, Barkevius Mingo, apparently. Yeah, he's more of an edge rusher for them. But yeah, yeah, Shaquem Griffin also an edge rusher for them. But Michael Kendricks they signed as a free agent, too. Yeah, that's right, Griffin they, they and Michael Kendricks. Interesting. Interesting they signed Kendricks. I thought Kendricks was going to be shunned by the league. Isn't he the one that got in trouble for uh, embezzlement or whatever it was? I am, I of, am I thinking of the right guy here? I'm sorry I, if I'm wrong. So week two, then, they stay in the NFC West with the 49ers coming to Cincinnati. Yeah, San Francisco should be a pretty interesting matchup. They'll have Jimmy Garoppolo back, I assume. I haven't been paying attention to his rehab at all. I hope they do, right? Just for their sake. for Because, I mean, they traded for him and gave him big money right away. And yep. they got a lot of similar production out of Nick Mullins. Did they? Yes, they did. Nick Mullins was really good. Their system, that Kyle Shanahan system works. Yeah. Running backs, Tevin Coleman, an unrestricted free agent. This is a second year there, I believe. And Jarek Jarek McKinnon, McKinnon and, also, and Matt Breida. Yeah. All three of the same guy, I think. They drafted Debo Samuel in the second round, Jalen Hurd in the third round, Nick Bosa in the first round. So the strength of the 49ers, you have to say, is the defensive line. Oh, yeah. Especially Nick with Bosa, the rotation. Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, D. Ford, who they also signed. 
Solomon and then Thomas. Solomon Thomas is a backup. And they spent a top three, two pick on him. So, yeah, I, I would take Solomon Thomas in a heartbeat if they want to trade him. Mm-hmm. Which they were supposedly shopping him. Yeah. They also gave out one of the worst deals in free agency to Quan Alexander, who was like the eighth highest paid player in free agency, which is still mind-blowing. We're going to see a few of those guys this year, uh, right? This These high-priced yep, free are, agents. Especially because they go out and play Oakland, too. Yeah. Uh, so 49ers at home, you feel pretty good about the game, I think. If the Bengals yeah. are going to be remotely good, they should yep. probably win, win this game. You worry a little bit about their ability to deal with George Kittle. Yes, think. for sure. Yep. And you worry about maybe Richard Sherman giving Andy Dalton some issues. Because Richard Sherman, despite you know him fading a little bit from the public eye, going to a worse team in San Francisco, is still very, very good. He doesn't get targeted because of his ball skills. Yep. I mean, he may be diminishing in terms of athleticism, but teams are still scared to throw his way. And if you even look on PFF, I remember looking, he doesn't get targeted very often at all. This is a relatively anonymous team to me. Looking at them as somebody who doesn't track the NFC West very much. Yeah. They're receivers of Jordan Matthews, Marquise Goodwin, and Debo Samuel. There's a lot of speed there. Uh, Debo Samuel, I think, is a great addition for them in the slot. The offensive line looks pretty good to me with Joe Staley, Mike McGlinchey, and and uh, I don't know about the interior line at all, but the tackles look good on on paper oh, yeah. at least yeah and i, I re- like i said i really like the shanahan system while, while we said the bengals should win this game i think the 49ers have a legit shot to make noise in the nfc if garoppolo stays healthy and they get good production and play out of him and a lot of the guys they drafted that if that defensive line is strong the defense even marginally cre- increases or gets better i think there's a good shot they compete for that division and that's with seattle being a really good team and the rams being a good team was Demontre Moore in the? Yeah. Uh, so they signed Demontre Moore. Okay. They picked him up out of that league. The AFF is what we're yeah, talking about. That right? league whose name I've already forgotten. I know. They drafted a punter too. Great. So we got that. That's going to be a tough game. I, the reason I think we both feel the Bengals should win it is because there is some unknown there, and also it's at home. Right, and it's your first home game. If they're gonna if they're gonna be a decent team, you have to expect that they'll win this game. Right. So I think we got one underdog, one favorite so far for the Bengals in the first two games, right? It'll they be may be like a three point favorite and it, for it might even be like a two point favorite sure. or one point favorite. Like they wouldn't be favored unless they yep. were at home kind of thing. Right. Exactly what I think. I think the Bengals only get three points for home team. And I I think this is another week three is gonna give them another test of where the Bengals stack up in terms of how we feel their season is going to go. So 49ers is one. You win that game, I feel like you, okay, you're maybe above the eight and eight level. And I think the next game also is against the, the Buffalo Bills. That's their home opener in Buffalo. So you already, you're getting that twice now. You're getting that in Seattle week one. Now you're getting that in Buffalo week Which, three. This happens to the Bengals a lot, I feel like. Yeah. Because they, the Reds play a lot that late in the, in, the, in the season. I think they try to have Cincinnati play more away games early in September. Sucks. So Buffalo, is. I, I agree with you. It's another one of those uh, barometer Yes, that's a good way to say it. For, for the Bengals. Are you, are you a better than 8-8 eight eight team? Are you a team that's going to be treading water for the whole season? Or are you a bad team? Because if they yeah. come out of these first three games 0-3... Well, the season's over. 
And I think Buffalo is a great example of a team that why we definitely wait for free agency and the draft to conclude before we look at this is because they are significantly improved through through that process. And they they signed like six offensive linemen, two receivers, uh, a few guys on defense also. And then they go out and draft to get Ed Oliver and then Cody Ford in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are the roster has significantly improved under the three years now going into three years with Sean McDermott as a head coach. You ready for this? Here are the new starters for Buffalo in 2019. Okay. John Brown from Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Slot receiver Cole Cole Beasley from Dallas and Andre Roberts from the Jets are both slot receivers that could start and start in the slot. I mean, left guard Quentin Spain, center Mitch Morse. Right guard is penciled in right now for Cody Ford. And if it's not him, it's Spencer Long. And if it's not him, it's John Feliciano, apparently. Right. Another all, free agent. All unrestricted free agents. They also signed Jake Fisher, who will be either tight end or a tackle, probably used uh, in certain packages. And right tackle, Ty Nasecki from Washington, backed up by Adrian Waddle from New England. So those Two are free all agents. free agents. Every single one of those guys I just named is a free agent. Tyler Croft on the uh, 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 tight end. Cody Ford, sorry, was a draft pick. Dawson Knox also drafted another new tight end. Uh, Devin Singletary, their their number two running back, as is penciled in right now, uh, was a draft pick. And Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon, two other free agents. They hit free agency hard. They totally overhauled their offense. On the defensive side of the ball, only Ed Oliver and Kevin Johnson project pro- project to be new starters for them in 2019 and the defense was their strength kevin kevin johnson a free agent right and you're you're replacing basically kyle williams with that oliver so uh i think they feel good about their defensive side of the ball they i think they could really probably use an edge rusher to emerge next to jerry hughes while they still have him and he's still productive but other than that i think buffalo is basically resting on the development of josh allen at quarterback and he showed them more than enough last year for the for that city and team to be excited about him that if he even takes a marginal step forward they're going to compete for a playoff spot i think they also need to get a step from tremaine edmonds their first round pick last year yes they need and and he's very young so you expect him to take some steps of development but they like matt milano there next to edmonds and then uh lorenzo alexander's been uh sensational find for them they signed him as a free agent three or four years ago he's been in the pro bowl i mean as a sam linebacker slash edge guy for a four three team he's how you get in you get a three four outside linebacker to actually play in your scheme if you ever watch him they they really use him to his strengths so that'll be an interesting game for them i think it would be i I think buffalo would be favored at home i you would have to think so right josh allen in his second year unless i mean obviously Injuries will change all of this, right? And and who knows what else happens between now and then. The Bengals come out of the first three weeks of the season two and one. You feel pretty good about what's happening in year one under Zach Taylor. If they come out of those first weeks one and two, there's a lot of question marks still, I think. And if they come out of it 0 oh and 3, well, like I said, I think the season's over and then you're playing for whatever quarterback you want, essentially. Yeah, We've seen that the last couple of years. If you start off zero and three, and that's history. Also, you zero and three, and you are um, your season's done. No matter you know how how quickly you write the ship, it's a uh, it's a huge hill to climb. In ninety nine percent of cases, and and especially I think in this case for the Bengals specifically, two of those games should be pretty winnable. Yep, and then uh, that leads into week four, right? Yeah, because week four is big game. Is- Looking is is about as bleak for me as as Seattle's, but like like we said, I think when somebody asked us in a mailbag, what do 
what does the team have to do to prove to you that they've changed? And it would be winning this game. Yeah. Or at least least keeping it close, you know, and not melting down to lose it, you know? Yeah. Right. Even if you're one and two right here and say you won the one you're favored against 49ers, you lose the two, you're, you're, you're an underdog. Um, Losing this game means you're done again against Pittsburgh on Monday night in in Pittsburgh. But winning it gets you back into the season and proves that this is a new team with a new energy and new direction. So it's it's a big game in a lot of ways. The Steelers don't look hugely changed from 2018, but they do look very different from 2017. Le'Veon Bell, of course, is gone to New York, who the Bengals still play. And Antonio Brown has gone to Oakland, who also the Bengals still play. They beat the Bengals without both those guys last year, remember, at the end of the, end of the mm-hmm. season? Yep. Uh, they did sign Dante Moncrief from, Jackson, or from Jacksonville. Yeah, I guess he went yeah. to Jacksonville. They yeah. drafted Deontay Johnson in the second round, who many thought would be a late-round pick. So Deontay Johnson might be playing a bigger role than expected for them. Mm-hmm. The offensive line is unchanged. The tight ends, they drafted Zach Gentry in the fifth round. Because they lost Jesse James, right? They did. They, they, their first two tight ends right now are Vance McDonald and Xavier Grimble. Vance McDonald's really good. Yeah, at what they ask him to do, sure. I mean, it's the same tight end that's been playing there since Heath Miller and probably before. He's got more athleticism, though. Remember that highlight last year where he stiff-arms that guy into oblivion and takes it all the way down the sideline? I mean, McDonald has way more splash upside potential than anyone they've had. He's just not as consistent. Sure. He's the same player as Heath Miller in my head. Uh, The defensive side of the ball, they add Mark Barron, who they have currently written in here on the depth chart as an inside linebacker. And Hmm. Devin Bush. Of course, they traded up to get ahead of the Bengals to draft Evan Bush. In the secondary, Joe Hayden is going to be backed up by Justin Lane and Stevie Nelson. Steven Nelson. That's right. They signed him to a big deal from the Chiefs. Is a new corner from the Chiefs. And Artie Burns ostensibly pushed to the bench. Well, it depends. I mean, who are the, who's the other starter? You said Hayden. Do they have Mike Hilton in the nickel? Oh, that's right. They've they've liked him, um, which is probably their best corner by position. Is is Mike Hilton right. in the in the nickel? Yeah, it'd be interesting how quickly Justin Lane can uh, get some playing time then, because he was a guy that was really high on our grading sheet based on you know potential and uh, but did have some technique issues to work. Yo, on. for sure. Yeah, former receiver looks like it completely. So yeah. So the Steelers are pretty much the same team, I would say. Devin Bush is new, obviously, and if he is anything close to what Ryan Shazier was for them, that's a boon for their defense. But the offense is much the same. You'll see, I guess you'll have to see if T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree can take another step, too. Their edge rush should be pretty questionable, but their defensive line is quite good. They're, They're actual three big guys with their hand on the ground. Yeah, and it, a lot rides on Big Ben. He wasn't good last year, and if he's like that again, they're going to struggle to make the playoffs again. And if he can play the way we've seen him play before, it, despite having lost weapons on that on that offense, uh, they'll be back into the to the mix again because they're still a a, a tough team with a with a normally sound vision and locker room last year was a complete mess for them, and it seems like they lost a couple of those guys and are trying to get back on track. So. That's three games now where they're the underdog, right? One game where they're favored. They get their next game where they're favored, and they are going to take on their third NFC West team now in the first, was this five weeks now? So that'll be the Arizona Cardinals, the team, the easily worst team in the league last year with the least amount of talent. 
they picked number one for a reason, but they had a fantastic draft, Jake. And I think even Kyler Murray, he's going to come in. He'll be starting by that time. It'll at least make this a very exciting game to watch. I think it'll be a really interesting game to watch because of just how different they're going to be. Right. Kyler Murray playing quarterback with a new head coach. Who knows what's going to happen there? Right. That, I mean, for all we know, Arizona could be 4-1. and one. They could be. I mean, Or 4-0. Oh. Who knows? David Johnson at running back. You still have Fitz. They added two other receivers in Hakeem Butler and uh, Danny Isabella. And, I mean, and Keyshawn Johnson, who the Bengals had a visit with. You'll probably remember. They, they drafted him in the sixth round. Right. So they have... Their whole line still still an issue, but your weapons are at this point now are much improved. I mean, talent wise, they their draft was so good. They went from easily having the least amount of talent when you look at the, look at my paper to now they're like, well, that, they're at least interesting now. And not, all those guys aren't going to develop and become premier players as rookies. But if you get half of them to step up, this is a much different team. Listen to the the names they have in the wide receiver room: Larry Fitzgerald. Kevin White, who was an early pick for Chicago, Christian Kirk, who was a second-round pick last year, Andy Isabella, second-round pick this year, Keyshawn Johnson, sixth-round pick. I mean, oh, Cooper Farrow, too. They signed uh, Farrow Cooper, sorry, from, yes. from the Rams. They signed Kevin White from Chicago. They signed Marcus Gilbert to play right tackle from Pittsburgh. They, they, they traded Justin... a sixth for him. Oh, they traded for him. They also obtained, I'll just start saying obtained instead of signed. Oh, yeah, no, I, I can figure it out. Justin Justin Pugh, they they signed, who was a guard in New York. They signed yep. J.R. Sweezy, which doesn't inspire much confidence, but they signed him, and Max right. Garcia from Denver. Uh, so they, they brought in quite a few free agents as well. Brett Hundley will be the backup quarterback for Arizona. Interesting. I don't see many acquisitions on the, actually, yes, I do. Corey Peters, they signed as a nose tackle from Atlanta. Terrell Suggs, they signed from Baltimore. So all these guys that have been the thorn in the side of the Bengals for divisional opponents went to teams they play. Can't get rid of Terrell Suggs, huh? Can't can't avoid Terrell Suggs. Although the Bengals, I mean, for the most part, as long as Andrew Whitworth was around, had at least a good shot against Terrell Suggs. And he's now definitely in the twilight of his career. They also signed Jordan Hicks, who was a linebacker we both wanted. That's right. That's right. So I still feel confident at this point coming in. I mean, if Kyler Murray's hitting the ground like Cam Newton was for the Panthers, that's going to be a tough game. Uh, but if not, then I, I, right at this point, I'm marking that as their favored to win that game, their second of the year. Or if Kyler Murray hits the ground the same way Baker did. Sure. That's also a possibility, and then and, it makes it much tougher. It might we be saw. more comparable, <laughs> yeah. uh, except Kyler, Kyler Murray can run a little better. Yeah, I was just trying to think of uh, you know rookie quarterbacks that just boomed right away, and yeah. Cam's the guy I always think about because he's 400 yards against the Cardinals, I think his first game ever. Uh, what about what about this guy, uh, Andy Dalton? Yeah, he was good that rookie year, remember? <laughs> So that'll be an interesting game. So his so first now, game, though, let's let's just go in the time machine real fast. We're gonna um, jump into the quantum realm real quick. And Andy Dalton's first game, you remember, he hurt his thumb or his hand, his wrist. I can't remember what it was. Hit it on a helmet right at the end of the the game. They were down to the Browns. I want to say ten to seven or something along those lines. And they had a remember those quick snap they used to do all the time, just chuck it up to AJ Green. They would just line up to the line real fast, catch the defense napping and, and go. But it was Bruce Gradkowski in the game, week one, Andy Dalton's first game ever. Oh, and yeah. uh he get, takes a snap, throws it up to Green, who was also a rookie, his first game. It was his only catch of the game, Green's for a touchdown. And the Bengals won that game, two thousand eleven. So 
not the same hitting the ground running as Cam Newton, but yes, overall, as the season concluded, was he was just, in the top of. I just it just jogged my memory of a story there. So if you didn't remember that game, there's a little trip down memory lane. The next game, of course, they go to Baltimore. So we're looking at out of the first five games, I think the realistic best case for them is three and two if they exceed expectations. Mm-hmm. Four and one, and that's beating Pittsburgh. I think Seattle is a very, very, very difficult first game of the season. Yeah, I didn't, we have them right now as underdog in three games, favored in two. So a realistic might be two and three at this point. Yeah. I was going realistic, good case, right? Oh, okay. Uh, then, they, then they go and they visit Baltimore. So of their first six games, four of them on the road. And, and because of that, do you think Baltimore's favored in this game? Do I think Baltimore's favorite? I, I don't know. The they Bengals beat him last have, year with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, but the Bengals, well, and it was mostly because of Joe Flacco, but I was going to say the Bengals have handled Baltimore pretty well, and, and Andy Dalton has handled the Baltimore defense pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. The the Baltimore defense, the starters look much the same. They signed Brandon Carr from Dallas, which is, actually, it's not the same at all. I take that back. Their secondary is entirely different. Brandon Carr yep. from Dallas, Tony Jefferson from Arizona, and Earl Thomas from Seattle. That's right. Earl Thomas is a problem. I mean, it's hard to throw over the middle when you've got Earl Thomas. They do lose Terrell Suggs. They still have Brandon Williams at nose tackle. Chris Wormley and Zach Seiler are the other big guys with their hands on the ground. I don't. Where's really, uh, Michael, Michael Pierce? Michael Pierce is there too. Okay. And they drafted a guy in the fifth Dalen round Mack or so. In the fifth yeah, round. that's it. Another Jay- big nose tackle type. They also drafted Jalen Ferguson in the third round. Okay. But this team looks like it's going to they- be able to keep Zadaris Smith? No. He was a free agent. Okay, I don't know where he went. I'll have to look that up. But uh, Zadaris Smith was a decent player for them the last couple of years out of he Kentucky, if you remember. Detroit, I think. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and he was the other guy. He was Him and Bud Dupree were the two guys that were the fast rushers coming out that year from Kentucky. And I, I honestly, I think Smith ended up being the better player. Not even close. Right. Uh, they have, of course, signed Mark Ingram as well. So Baltimore is just loading up to run the ball about 40 times a game. And then added Hollywood Brown. And yeah, they, they added a track team. I don't, I, I don't care. They also you know what that does, though? Antoine Wesley is a college free agent. If both those guys can get on the field and play and be fast, because that's what they are at the, at the very core, uh, it makes you want to keep that safety back. If you're running the ball and having an, and running option stuff with Jackson and, and Mark Ingram and running it down your team's throat, you're going to want to pull that safety up and play 11 on 11 and play with just one deep free safety. And if Marquise Hollywood Brown gets behind you on a play action, I mean, then Lamar Jackson has to hit him. Sure, fine. But at the very least, the first step is is a, a danger. And what it does is it puts a safety back. Even if he's not going to hit him, you start to get weary of it. They have three quarterbacks that are pretty much the same player in Lamar Jackson, Robert Griffin, and Trace McSorley. So you know what they're running. Yeah. They're, they're not changing that up. But what if Jackson takes a step in development? He was he, young. He, he would need to learn how to throw accurate passes. Okay. It's not out of the realm of possibility. This is a former Heisman winner that was very efficient in college as a passer. Yeah. And we've said on this show before that accuracy is the hardest trait to develop in the NFL. It is. And I'm that's why I wonder how good of a passer does he have to be. Cam Newton never became a great, accurate passer, and he won MVP. 
I mean, you become a weapon with that with your legs that it changes what defenses can do to you. Yeah. Cam also a, Cam also has like forty pounds on Lamar Jackson. This is a game though, if we're gonna say the Bengals are gonna have a surprise year, try and get to nine and seven or so, I they have think I want them to win this game. They have to, right? Yeah. You have to beat the Ravens. You have to be better than because the Ravens, if if it's not the Bengals as the worst team in the division, it's hopefully the Ravens, so you better beat them. Yeah. Yeah, if the Ravens are better than you, you're the worst team in the division. I'm going to put this as a push, as in I don't sure. know who would be favored right now because if one team's 4-1 and one, the other one's 2-3, and three, I think that, that'll decide who's favored, but this, it this can go is, either way. This is like entirely contingent on Lamar Jackson's progression and how good the secondary is. I mean, that defense might just be really good, but I don't see the pass rush really right now. Like uh, Matt, I wouldn't be worried about it. Nope. Matt Judon. Right, he's he's their Jaylen best Ferguson. Head rusher. That's okay, but yeah, yeah. I mean they, right. they they'll probably have a good run defense, and their secondary is outstanding. Yeah, they have also my favorite name that I've seen so far out of college free agents, CJ okay. Too Good. Hmm, he's too good, huh? I had a guy that lived down the street from me growing up. His name was Too Tall. That's a funny name. There's a story for you. He was tall. <laughs> At least he was tall. At least. He can't be Living short up to the name. too tall. The next game is their third home game of the season coming in week seven. They're playing Good. Jacksonville. Yeah. This and is their also new quarterback, Nick one. Foles. Yeah, exactly. And Jacksonville was good, right? For the last two years, pre- previous to last year, they were a good team. Actually, they were up within a few plays of going to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And that defense is all still intact. Yeah, they swapped out um, Malik Jackson. And they added in Marcel basically, Darius. yeah, Marcel Darius, and also they traded Dante Fowler to the Rams and added in Josh um, Allen this this year with the seventh overall pick. Right. You could potentially Josh be Allen, better. Sir. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe, good. Yep, Yannick Ngakwe is really good. And Kalias Campbell. Yeah, Clyde Campbell was MVP, defensive MVP type stuff. So I like Aubrey Jones also as a nose tackle type for them. Mm-hmm. Not to mention uh, their linebackers, Selvin Smith, yeah. Miles Jack. You would kill for that athleticism on the Bengals. Yes. I don't know who their safeties are, Ronnie Harrison and Jared Wilson, but their corners Drafted Harrison good. last year, and uh, he went in the third, I want to say, behind yeah. Bates and them. Uh, it was a good safety class. He played and, and had some splash plays. Their corners are Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Bowie, Bouye, yep. and, I don't know, one of D.J. Hayden, Quentin Meeks. Yeah, they're looking for their. They paid Hayden last year a decent amount to be their nickel guy, and I'm not sure they were happy with him. Yeah, they need to find a third corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game is at home. They, for the Bengals. Yep. The Bengals probably are slightly favored here. Yeah, it'll probably be depending on what happened in the first half of the year, but I do want to give the Bengals a within three point favorite, right? I mean, it's not like they're going to be a, a seven point favorite or anything. I think the the Slightly if, favored, yeah. Yeah, if the Jags can get their offense going at all, and I think that's a stretch because I really don't like the the parts they have for the most part. Uh, I think the Bengals could definitely be favored in this game. Is it Leonard Fournette in some trouble too? Or does he that sucks. Like a, he's, he's, just, he's just bad? He's bad. He's terrible. All right. And a complete bad mix for what they try to do. We, you, I talked about it at the time when people were like, oh, the Bengals could draft Fournette. And I said, well, 
he needs to run behind a fullback. That's just not viable in today's league unless you're going to completely tool your offense around they, it. They do have a fullback. They do, but they also re- recognize their passing game and with Bortles how it used to be. So maybe they change it with Foles, but it used to be, I mean, they had to go spread for Bortles to do anything, and they just couldn't use Fournette. This year it'll be D.D. Westbrook and Marquise Lee catching passes from Nick Foles with tight ends Jeff Swaim and third-round pick Josh Oliver. Right. It's not great. They did draft Jawan Taylor this year, so that might help them out at tackle where it's Will Richardson and Cedric Abwehi right now. So if Jawan Taylor can get healthy and step in, maybe that helps a little bit, but it's hard to see that offense really doing much. Yeah. The defense looks great. It does. It should it should continue to be a good uh the good side of the team. I forgot to mention ticket prices. This is one of the cheapest opportunities of the year with tickets as low as twenty nine dollars at home against Ooh. Jacksonville. The yeah, they cheapest, don't sell out still, huh? The cheapest game is at home against Arizona. Actually, the cheapest games are home games. I take it back. I thought it was Miami. Oh, yeah. I was thinking. Against Arizona at home, tickets as low as $28. Woo. This should be a sponsorship. We should get a sponsorship from Bengals Ticket Office right now. Bengals Ticket Office. Are you listening? No, they're not. Contact us at (laughs) LockedOnBengals at gmail.com. Our next game is in London, the most expensive game of the year, at $308 for the lowest price ticket in London. You want to take a family of four plus a plane ride? You better take out a mortgage. Or at least a car loan. (laughs) One of the two. So Los Angeles, of course, coming off of losing a Super Bowl. Those teams often have hangovers, but there's no way that the Rams aren't favored in this game. Even if Todd Gurley has a degenerative knee issue that has been reported and not denied uh, by They drafted our favorite running back anyways. They drafted our favorite running back anyways in Daryl Henderson. Yep. So they'll keep – that's a machine that I don't think is going to stop anytime soon. And I think – don't don't be surprised if they still sign a couple of free agents before this the year starts because that's they've been uber aggressive in acquiring talent for the last few years now. Let's see, did they sign anybody this Eric year? Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle from Baltimore. Akeem Talib, was he there? He was there last year. He was there. Yep. Nickel Roby Coben, was he there last year? He was. He was there. He's the one who hit the the Rams right. or the Saints. Right. Guy. Yeah. Uh, they signed Clay Matthews. That's right. They I wonder how he'll fit. Dante Fowler, is he new? They traded for Dante they Fowler. They traded for, yep. Um, let's see what else we got here. That's all I see. Austin Blythe from Indianapolis to play right okay. guard to replace uh, Saffold. Saffold. Yeah. Should be, oh, Blake Bortles now backing up Jared, Al- Jared Goff. And there <laughs> it is. That's Two hilarious. weeks in a row. Uh, they don't have tight ends. They went with their wide receivers and their running backs. Daryl Henderson in that offense is scary. It is. I think he's a great fit. Playing in London is weird, too, so weird stuff might happen in this game, but on paper, I mean, there's there's no way you don't have the Rams' favorite here. So we have a Do you remember the Bengals' last London game? They won. But do you remember? Washington. Yeah, it was. I don't really know. I think it was Eifert's first game back off of the ankle injury, I want to say. So, so this was 2016. And uh, he caught a touchdown. And Dalton had a couple of really nice throws. One up to the seam to Eifert, one over the middle to Eifert also. But Dolphin I throw, believe there was Dolphin. a missed field goal. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. That you, have a, you have a better memory for this stuff than I do. Uh, Dalton throwing passes that are good usually ends with Tyler Eifert. 
Yeah, so, a lot of times. Yeah, he, I don't know what it is, man. Catch Tyler, radius. They they just have some chemistry too. I think they have they have some connection stuff going on with Eifert being able to catch the ball. Like I say all the time, off of the linebacker's nameplate. Yep. Let's take a break and then we'll get into the second half of the season. They haven't played Cleveland yet, so that'll be a new team. And then we have some repeats coming up in the second half of the season. And uh, one of the more interesting second half matchups, I think, is Oakland. We'll talk about that after we take a little bit of a break. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. On the second half of the schedule, as the bye week concludes after the, the L.A. Rams in London... The Bengals have a bye week and face the Ravens again. So it's the Ravens twice in a matter of four games, but really five weeks apart. So uh, this one at home for Cincinnati. We gave them a push last time for being in Baltimore and kind of hoping that the Bengals are better than the Ravens or else there's really no hope in the season at all, in my opinion. Let's say that they are favored in this one. We already went over what the Ravens have, and we're not going to do that again. I just think that if we're going to push the last one, being a home game off a of bye week, let's favor the Bengals in this matchup. No argument for me. So now we have the Bengals favored against San Francisco at home, against Arizona at home, against Jacksonville at home, and against Baltimore at home. That's four. They're, yeah. I think, road dogs to Seattle, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Or no, Baltimore was was a push. So road dogs in their first three games. Rams. And then was Rams. The so they're dogs in four. Favored it in four and a push in one. Sounds yep. about right. Yeah, I think that's fair. Then they Fourth. go to Oakland in week 11. And I will just say real quick, because of the scheduling quirks we're talking about, their first eight games, the first half of the schedule has five road games, mm-hmm. counting London. Their second half of the schedule has one, two, three, five home games, as you would expect. And only, only one games. playoff team in the second half, I believe. And, well, two. Okay, Ravens made it, didn't they? Yes. Ravens well, P- and... New England, Pittsburgh. New England. Oh, no, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh did not didn't make, make it. it. Right. Right. Um, they also only have one big road trip in the second half, which is really nice, because in the first half, they go out to the West Coast, and then they go to London. Actually, they really don't have much travel at all this year. They go to Seattle. They go to London. They go to Oakland. Besides that, they're in the Eastern time zone. Yeah, they're fine. They should be 1 o'clock for most of the year. Most of the year, yeah. So the second the second game out of the bye week in the second half of the season at Oakland will be an interesting game for a number of reasons, uh, but it's also one of their three travel games of the year and a place where they historically have a very hard time winning unless they got the monkey off their back last year, or last and, time. And they beat Oakland in 2015. They started off really hot, super hot. I think it was 28 to... Seven. Derek Carr got hurt. Uh, touchdown passes two to Tyler Eifert, and that was the really good explosive offense. And that was our first taste of wow, they're gonna be really good. And uh, so who knows if it's that again? This is in November at this point, November seventeenth. So Oakland's always nice, but at the same time, uh, we're getting towards the end of the year. We should have a good idea of both teams. How quickly can the Raiders go from being one of the worst teams last year? Not that the Bengals were much better, but. The Bengals did beat the Raiders last year with a backup quarterback, the one they did win with Jeff Driscoll. So now, if they're full strength, both teams, I think the Raiders made a lot of improvements, at least talent-wise. They had a weird draft, but overall, I think they have gotten better than they were last year. Yeah, we'll just quickly run through some new additions 
Antonio Brown, obviously, they traded for from Pittsburgh. J.J. Nelson, they signed from Arizona. Tyrell Williams, Williams they signed from the Los Angeles Chargers, and they drafted Hunter Renfro to play the slot. So all new receivers for them. A bunch of new receivers. Yep, like you said, all new receivers. Their top four receivers are probably new acquisitions. They did also sign Keelan Doss as a college free agent. On the offensive line, they... How, has, Rodney, has Rodney Hudson been there for a while? Yeah, they signed him about three or four years ago from the Chiefs. Right, and they did acquire Trent Brown to play right tackle for a whole boatload of money. They Is, dra- is he going to be right? You know, I didn't even realize that. Colton they, they Miller's drafted, listed him yeah, left, yeah. Yeah, they drafted Colton Miller. Who um, Sam Hubbard ate his lunch completely. Almost ended his career last year in that game. <laughs> Uh, they also drafted Faust Moreau to play tight end, a very similar player potentially to Drew Sample with a lot of raw athleticism to his and game. because of it, releasing my guy on my shadow team, Lee Smith. Who you did not release. I did not release Lee So Smith. hopefully for you, he, he signed somewhere. Yeah, that's they, right. They also draft Josh Jacobs in the first round, ostensibly the new running back there. We'll see how the productivity metrics... Translate for Josh Jacobs and Doug Martin's still on that team. And they have, uh, who's the other running back that was their third down guy last year? Jalen yeah, Richard? Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington as well. Yeah, and they made comments uh, during rookie camp that Doug Martin's a three down back, Jalen Richard's a three down back. We'll have to see what J- Josh Jacobs is. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's you spent a first round pick on him. I would hope you have more of an idea than that. You would hope that. On the defensive side of the ball, Clellan Farrell was their fourth overall pick that we were losing our minds about, but he will be the starter at right defensive end with Maurice Hurst, who they picked in the fifth round last year. Absolute robbery. Uh, Jonathan Hankins playing defensive tackle, Arden Key on the other side. Max Crosby, of course, was drafted in the fourth round this year, a pick that we really, really liked. He should challenge for some rotational playing time as a rookie. They signed Brandon Marshall. They have added Vontez Burfick to hear Whitehead. So there are a lot of new linebackers on the team. They Trayvon Coney. Signed Tavon Coney as a college free agent who was one of PFF's better free uh, better linebackers in the draft, but fell out of the draft entirely due to athletic limitations. The secondary is largely the same, but they did draft uh, Trayvon Mullen in the second round. Jonathan Abram in the first round. So a couple of rookie safeties, or sorry, a couple of rookie defensive backs that will challenge for playing time. LaMarcus Joyner, however, and Carl jo- Carl Joseph are the presumptive starters at safety, which is a pretty yeah. good tandem. Yeah, that's all right. And uh, I like Gary on Conley. Gary on Conley, right. Their other corner. Yeah, I drafted him in the first round. I, what, was that Ohio State also? Man, I, I mean, think so. I think it was. And they um, also got Isaiah Johnson, who is one of my favorites, a Houston right. corner in the fourth round, who's got athleticism, wakes up jumping 35 inches out of his bed. So here's the question. Are the Bengals favored in this game this late in the year in Oakland? No. I don't think so either. I think probably the Raiders have made enough. Much. It's probably right. close. It's probably three points here or there. Okay, so do we want to say the Bengals are an underdog, or do we want to say it's a push then? I don't think that I'm going to give the Bengals the nod as the favorites in seven of their eight road games. And this is one of them. They're, okay, they're, so they're dogs here. They're dogs here. I'm marking them as a dog. Next game, then. 
They host Pittsburgh. And if this team is different, they will defend their home turf against Pittsburgh. That's right. That's so, all I have to really know. say about this game. I don't game. know if they are, right? We don't know. Will they be favored in this game? Where do you want to put them here? I have no idea. I know, because it's so late I, I, year I would that... say likely not, right. if history is any indication. Right. If they're good, then yeah, sure, they'll be favored. Yeah, and if the if the wheels are falling off Pittsburgh again, then there's a chance also. I think this is an, another underdog game, though. But if we're looking at it objectively yeah. and trying to be honest with it, with ourselves, I think the Bengals today, are... Today they're not favored. Today they're dogs, no, for they sure. Are. Right. Now a lot can change, obviously. For the first 10 weeks, the Bengals are 8-2. and two. Well, they're going to be favored in this game at home. I would love for the Bengals to be 8-2 going to the <laughs> 12. Yep. The next game plays host to the New York Jets. This marks their third home game in the last four weeks with a nasty little trip out west in the middle. December 1st. I would really rather that they just put all the West Coast games together. I do feel bad for the West Coast teams that have to travel east a lot more. Yeah, they do. Uh, travel is the downside, I guess. Anyway, they host the Jets, who drafted the best player in the draft, according to our own Joe Goodberry and Quinn and That's Williams. Right. He is. And they signed C.J. Mosley, someone we talked about a handful of times, to a for ridiculous a contract. a preposterous contract. Absolutely ludicrous. $51 million guaranteed for an off-ball linebacker. Have they traded the Bengals Darren Lee yet? What? I don't know. Ask me tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> That's what's going to happen then. You heard it here first, guys. I hope it does. That'd be fun. Uh, they did address the offensive line, I think, in some ways with Truman Doga in the draft. And the offensive line is just generally looking solid with Kelvin Beecham, yeah. uh, Osemele. They needed a center, though, didn't they? Who do they have there? Yeah, I think they need a center. Jonathan was- Harrison, who I haven't heard of, and John Toth to back him up. That's right. Um, John Toth, I'm right. he's on my shadow team also. But, yeah, they get they got Kalichi Osamele, right? They do, at left guard now. Yeah, okay. So they're okay. It's really the Jets are going to be, like we've mentioned with the um, the Bills and yeah. the Ravens, this is Sam Darnold or not. Does Sam Darnold yeah. take another step? If he does, he's could be better than Andy Dalton, you know, at this point. If he doesn't, then I like Andy Dalton. And in that case, I like uh, the Bengals' chances at home against the Jets. Le'Veon Bell makes his first appearance in Paul Brown Stadium in three years, in this two years in this game or something like that. So we'll see if he gets hurt and chooses to blame Vontez Perfect for it somehow. Do they they play the Raiders? That'd be fun. Oh, we didn't talk about Vontez Perfect. Oh, you you mentioned him. He's there. If he makes makes the team. He still has to do that, yes. Yeah. Uh, I like the Bengals in this game, though, to say at this point today, the Jets did pick higher. They were a worse team last year. Yes, I do like that they've added talent, but I think they have to prove they're better than the Bengals more than the Bengals have to prove they're better than the Jets. If this was in New York, I would say the Jets are the favorites. Agreed. Especially with Quinton Williams on the defensive line now, along with Henry Anderson, Leonard Williams. Like, that defensive line is insane. Yep, that's a good one. And, and then you have Ja'Kai Polite, who in the third round I think is very good value. They add C.J. Mosley to play interior backer. They draft Blake Cashman, who of all the teams for Cashman to land on, this not Seattle, Cashman should thrive behind those big guys up front. Oh, yeah. It's great. Great fit for him. It's going to look like, man, why didn't we take Blake Cashman? Might. Secondary is, I mean, Jamal Adams, obviously, is the linchpin of the secondary. Brian Poole, a guy that the Bengals were looking at, yeah, they had ended a visit up with signing him. out there. He's listed as one of their top cornerbacks, along with Tremaine Johnson. 
Tremaine's really good. Who's the other safety next to Adams? Because they drafted Marcus those guys the same May. year. Yes, that's right. They drafted him in the third or fourth round of the same draft uh, as Adams. So uh, they really like him also. He's their free safety and, and by all uh, definitions. And Adams is their, their move around tone setter. Very good player. Extremely. I, I do Very feel good. like just looking at the roster, Sam Darnold still doesn't have weapons. Robbie yeah, Anderson, Quincy Robbie Anderson, Nudma, right. and Jamison Crowder aren't scary compared to some of the trios around the league. Yeah, their tight ends, like Chris Chris Herndon and Eric Tomlinson, like okay, right. sure they need they need to do more. Tomlinson, I mean Tomlinson, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell is going to catch on their balls. Yeah, it's going to be it's the the offense has to go through Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, so uh, I've got the Bengals favored in that I, one. I agree. It's yeah, five favorites for the Bengals, so hopefully that's five wins at this point. And our first time meeting the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. This is December eighth. In my opinion, this is the most talented team in the AFC North, and really, by this point, we will know if that talent translates to wins for the Cleveland Browns, and we may feel very differently about this matchup at that time. Sounds like your little one isn't very excited for the Bengals to play the oh, Browns. Oh, she in the background right now? I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> the Browns, of course, added Odell Beckham to their wide receiver core. They lose Kevin Zeitler and will replace him with Austin Corbett, who... We'll have to see how good he is. They add Chris Hubbard at right tackle, too, which was someone that I was sort of hoping the Bengals might sign. I didn't think he was staying in the division. This was two years ago that they signed him. Oh, that was two years ago. Yeah, and uh, Jerome Harrison, who's on your shadow team, is also a tackle for them. And they signed Greg Robinson, who ended up having really a revival to his career when he got to Cleveland. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course, David Njoku, the tight end. We'll see if he yep. takes another step. Baker Mayfield, the best quarterback out of last year's draft thus far. With Nick Chubb at running back, I mean, that's a complete offense. Yeah, they're, and they still have Duke Johnson and Kareem Hunt. And by this time, Kareem Hunt will be back. So we'll see how that rotation goes. But that is a extremely de- deep and strong running back group. The the biggest hole in the offense is probably right guard. I mean, and, that's a small hole. Right. And that's a second-round pick in Austin Corbett that I would love on the Bengals right now. So, yeah. I mean, that's they have a complete offensive unit. Yeah, it's a complete. And Antonio Callaway there to back up Rashard Higgins. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a that's a complete offense. It's a scary offense if you're yeah. the Bengals. They didn't add anybody on the offense except Odell Beckham this year. Of course, that's a massive addition. On the defensive side of the ball, they add Sheldon Richardson at defensive Who's tackle. Maybe coming off a career year. If Bengals fans don't realize because he's bounced around a little bit um, after leaving the Jets, Richardson's really, really good. And I think most Bengals fans are realizing that uh, Larry Ogunjobi is really good inside for them. Yeah. And now you're adding... Olivier Vernon Olivier with Miles Garrett. Yep. Jeez, that is a scary, scary defensive line. I'm glad they don't play him earlier because this new O line for the Bengals is will have some trouble with that. Yeah, they'll need to get some. They'll need to do some gelling before playing against the Browns if they want to have any hope. Of course, the Browns also add Sion Takitaki and Mac Wilson at linebacker in the draft and get Greedy Williams to bolster the secondary. So the secondary is now looking like Denzel Ward. I think by the time the Bengals play them, Greedy Williams is probably starting on the other side, yeah. and TJ Carey is their starter in the nickel. So the defense also looks pretty complete when you look at their starting linebackers of Joe Schobert, who's a solid player, Christian yep. Kirksey, who's a solid player, with yep. Wilson and Taki Taki there's backups. And 
I want to forget Gennard Avery also no. is kind of a Sam and edge guy yeah. and he can cause problems. So I, I don't know who's going to there that third linebacker spot. If, if Avery's going to play more Sam and Taki Taki, who's been an edge guy and a Sam guy that, and then Mac Wilson, they're going to try and find a spot for him. Probably if he starts, if, if not, uh, he could be the backup. He's no, backup. I just mean if that, that if that third linebacker spot is a complete competition between these guys, uh, if if Wilson emerges, so it'll be interesting for me as an outsider to look at that and see who comes yeah. comes away with that job. And I mean they have depth. I think as a point at linebacker with Taki Taki yeah. and, and Mac Wilson there, right? Ray Ray Armstrong too. What's about? Does it say uh, where Taki Taki was drafted? Was it third round? Third round. Okay, just to be something to look at with the Bengals taking. Uh, Jermaine Pratt, obviously, and we like Taki Taki also, and just to see, you know, how those careers mirror each other. Man, you just look at the first, you just look at the first string on this team, and it's good. It's really good. All it, these it, players are good. And Bengals fans are gonna be mad. There's gonna be people listening to this. Oh, you guys are sucking the Browns, and you guys are you guys are all over them right now. I mean, guys, let's be honest for a second. Their roster, we would trade, we would take that roster, we would take that upside and potential. Now they've got a first year head coach, just like the Bengals do. Uh, they've got you know, some volatile personalities on that roster. Things can go wrong for them, of course. But they have the best talent in the division, and they could rival most teams in the league, I think. I think, yeah, there there are things that could go wrong with the first-year head coach, with John Dorsey and his proclivity for signing guys with questionable character. Proclivity? Whew. I like big words, Joe. It's been added to my mental dictionary. There you go. There are I guess that's holes, called though. vocabulary, though, isn't it? Is that's it? been added to the vocabulary. Go ahead. You, well, you, you, just... you also added vocabulary today then, I guess. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, team is, this team is good. This is the Bengals' second hardest game in the second half of the year. I agree. The next I'm hardest, hard... the first hardest game in the right. second half of the year is next week. Right. They host New England, and I don't care what you say, I never want to play New England after December 1st. No, this is when they're hitting their stride. This is when they have evolved their team four times into what they're going to be and what they are, and this is when they're at their strength. This is December 15th, three weeks to go. They're fighting for the number one seed, more than likely. I mean, just a bet. They always are. This is the Bengals are an underdog. It's the Patriots. And now if they if the Bengals win this with two weeks to go, the last two weeks being Miami, which is, should be a favored, and then the Browns, which, you know, at home. Right at home, like, let's let's play the Browns. And if they beat the Patriots at home, then you feel okay about their chances to right. play the Browns. At least okay, you probably feel good about their chances against the Browns at home at that point. Yeah, so there's like three or four games where you really like are the test of their metal. Uh, you know how good are is this team? Not just in terms of are they an eight and eight type squad like we said with like the Bills, Ravens, and yada yada. This is are they potentially different? And this is the last on their schedule, I think, is against the Patriots and. To win this, if somehow and we got them, if we just look at their uh, underdogs and, and favored, and they're they're favored in five, underdogs in seven, push as one game. If they're six and seven and beat the Patriots, well, you are fighting for a playoff spot with the last two weeks going. Yeah, and then you become one of those teams that nobody really wants to play in the playoffs. If you beat the Patriots with three weeks to go, right? You beat the Patriots, you move on to the next week, which is the Dolphins. Well, and hold that's on, the let's game just mention it. Can, can we, I'm going too fast. I, I want to mention just a couple things that have changed on the Patriots. Gronkowski okay. is retired. That's obviously, right. they add Nikhil Harry with their first round pick, which is a good pick. They add Jolte Froholt. In the fourth round, who is one of our favorite interior linemen in the draft. He's going to be fantastic now, by the way, just because they're a line coach. I'm sure. 
Yanni Kajas, too, will oh, be yeah. an too. excellent tackle in the NFL. And Isaiah Wynn is essentially a draft pick this year because he was hurt all last year. So their right. offensive line, even though they lost Trent Brown, will be fine. They also sign Austin Safarian Jenkins to help replace the departure of Rob Gronkowski and draft Damian Harris to bolster a crazy deep, strong running back room with Sony Michelle, James White, Rex Burkhead, Damian Harris, Brandon Bolden. And James Devlin, if you want to include him. Yeah. I love Chase Winovich for them in the third round. I think he'll go there and be a productive pass rusher. They signed Michael Bennett. That's not typical for them either, if we can, just for a second. They normally don't have that really good athletic edge guy. It's normally the the, um, Trey Flowers type, the interior guy that kicks inside and, you know, does his damage, gets more pressures than sacks. I think Winovich could be someone that they haven't had in a long time. Mm -hmm. Michael Bennett they signed as well. That's right. Another still, guy kicks inside. Still have Kyle Van Noy, who came on big time last year. And their secondary is still excellent with Jason yep. McCourty, Stephon Gilmore at corner, and Patrick Chung and Devin McCourty at safety. Yeah, it's really good. That's their strength, I think. No surprise either with how important secondaries are to a team's success, yep. especially a well-coached team like the Patriots. So the Bengals are underdogs again. That gives them eight underdogs so far with two weeks left to go. Yep. Then they play Miami, where they are. This is the only road game where I would call them a favorite. I agree, and it's this is Miami and in Arizona are the two games where the Bengals should win. In a in a worst case scenario, they at least win these two games, right? And they're two and fourteen. I, I'm talking like because there's some people that have them picking top three. These are two that they win. And the only way this game ends up with them being dogs is if Josh Rosen comes on and lights the world on fire, right? Sure. And just the team around him, they have Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills as weapons. The tight end is Mike Gusecki, who... Yeah. He's a first-rounder. I mean, maybe he takes rounder. year two. Was he second-rounder? Okay, anyways. Um, maybe he takes that year two step for tight ends that we've talked about, and he's their go-to guy, maybe, sure. The defense looks bad i would say they have christian wilkins which is helpful but the rest of the defense looks not so good the linebackers are kiko alonzo raekwon mcmillan jerome baker you don't love any of them no they have minka fixpatrick playing safety Xavier howard and bobby mccain playing corner i mean that's average at best yeah it's not good they're not a good team yeah Bengals should win this game yep favored that gives them their sixth favored game then they host Cleveland to wrap things up, and they're probably home dogs. Yeah, they're unless, underdogs in this game. Unless Cleveland is resting starters. Sure, that's fair. I Which guess is possible. I mean, that means point. they're they're twelve and what three at this point? Then they're they're running the table and they're they're resting starters. It's an outside possibility that this game has no bearing on the seating for Cleveland, and they rest starters it's with the chance. ulterior motive of giving the Bengals a win to get them to draft lower. Hmm. Not the teams do that. Right. So we've talked about the Browns enough where I'm, I'm putting them down as, as the Bengals are an underdog that puts them at six, nine and a push. So six, nine and one, just like, was that last year? Also, were they six, no, nine they and didn't one last? Tie last year? <laughs> that was the year before. I feel like six, nine and one has happened a couple times now, but let's say uh, six and a half wins. Is that where, where the over under is being set? Is it five and a half or six and a half? No, I'm questioning it too. But I think we ended up accidentally. I don't think this was planned because uh, we didn't talk about this really beforehand. We ended up in that range. Yeah. 
Is this is is this in line with what we talked about last week in the realistic case? I think it is. Six. I think seven. Six to seven wins were the most likely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're consistent. Yeah. And there's going to be a surprise game that they win that they're not supposed to. There's going to be a surprise game that they lose that they're not supposed to. So that Miami. They they always have weird stuff happen in Miami, man. You remember the last Miami game? That I, was I night? pushed those out of my mind because Geno Atkins got hurt there that one Can time. Can you recall them and replay them through your mind? You remember, yeah, Geno did get hurt. That was terrible. But uh, remember rookie Giovanni Bernard with that long run? He goes to I the left, bounces that. it out, goes all the way to the right, dives in. And Geo was my back that year in that draft. And I celebrated and people on twitter celebrated with me like joe that's your guy and i'm like oh i know look at him he's gonna be fantastic and then that was like the last amazing run he's actually kind of had even though he's been a good player uh but then you remember overtime safety to lose it right do you remember that they do a stunt. I blacked it say, out, Joe. Yeah, I do remember it. And, and, it, was and Dalton, Cam, it was Cam whatever, Wake. It was Cam Wake, yeah. And Dalton's just like staring him down and doesn't move at all and just takes the sack. It's like the scene from Austin Powers when the uh, big uh, drum roller, the big, uh, what, 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 you know, the, the thing that the steamroller is coming and the guy's like, you screaming no and he's about 100 yards away from yeah, it and never yeah. moves. And that was what I think of Dalton on that play. And I'm like, you just got to get rid of the ball or something, man. The game's over now. But that's not a fond memory, that game. That's why I blacked it out. Marvin Jones had a nice play. That, that, um, oh, and there was also a touchdown called back because of a Gresham hold. Yeah. Anyway. Useless stuff, my brain. Uh, that'll do it for the schedule. We have them there with, like Joe said, six and a half wins. Now six. we give you a moment to step away from the podcast, close it down. We're going to talk about the Avengers. Spoiler alert. If you have not seen it, this is when you just shut it down. If you want to hang out and talk some Avengers with us for 10 minutes or so, you are more than welcome to stay. But I suggest if you haven't seen it, do not spoil it for yourself because everyone has seen it. This movie has just crossed over uh, the $2 billion mark and is now the second highest grossing film of all time, not accounting for inflation, Jake. But uh, So if you haven't seen it, walk away. We'll catch you Wednesday or so. And, uh, Joe, how many times have you seen it now? Twice. I saw it twice. Uh, my kids have seen it. Tw- I went first with my wife. The kids went off. We usually do that um, the first time any big movie comes out. But then I took my oldest son and daughter to the movies. Uh, saw it. So I've seen it in 3D and then standard. Jake, you've seen it once, right? I've seen it once, and I will see it once in theaters, I believe. My wife took the two oldest again today to see it for her second time and their second time. So wow. we are um, we see movies like this, and we will do we will do that. We're spending too much on movies, that's for sure. I was going to say, how much of that two billion have has your family contributed? Somewhere around the one hundred million dollar mark. Yes, that's what it feels like when you when you do it because tickets are fourteen dollars in my area. I don't know what they are for you. I went and saw it on a Sunday morning. Matinee prices, huh? Look at you. Well, they only do matinee prices here. You spent your whole Saturday morning. check on this, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, they only do matinee prices here for weekend morning movies. Gotcha. Ours is and, Tuesdays. The and, entire Tuesday. Yeah. We also have Cheap Movie Tuesdays. Okay. But where I was previously in Madison, Wisconsin, when I was there, it was any daytime movie, like before four was a matinee, any day of the yeah. week. Yeah, we have that also, yeah. Um, Here it's weekend mornings only and Tuesdays. 
So I saw it opening night, as people know. Um, anyway, so we'll get to the movie now. So if you're still listening, you, you've seen it and you're ready for us to talk. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I keep a grading of all the Avengers or MCU movies, Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I, it comes out as number one for me just because of the sheer epicness of it. The Everyone's in it. The I enjoy a good time heist uh, or, or time travel type movie. It makes me think. It makes my bra- brain get split up in different ways and think about different alternate timelines. If you watch the Flash show too, it, which I, I think is awesome the way they do time travel on that. But uh, yeah, so I... It gets a lot worse. Movie. I'll what, say in this for one the Flash. Or in Flash? Yeah, the Flash gets a lot worse as the seasons go on. The first few the seasons first two? of the Flash are excellent. Yeah, they are. The, the... Anyways, it's a whole other subject because I think the Flash show is, is really good. So the, you deal with time travel in this movie, and some people don't like it because it's different than I think what we grew up watching and, and understanding with until the Flash, really. I think the Flash is what makes me understand this more is that going back in time and messing with time doesn't hurt you like we see Marty McFly disappearing. Uh, instead, this is it creates an alternate timeline when you mess up something or change something. So that's the difference, and I think it ha- you have to – Really look at this movie and, and think of it that way. You know, it's funny you say that because for me, the time travel in this movie was so simple that I didn't have to think about it. Really? That was that was one of my favorite things about the time travel was like they kind of talk about it, but not in like a huge amount of detail. They don't spend sure. a ton of time on it. It's right. just like we're just going to go back in time and do this thing. And it's going to be this cool action thing that happens. And we have missions and we're not going to talk too much because like they, they never revisit what the outcomes are of altering the different or creating new timelines, which and I, I think, think we'll is, see that though in maybe, the next phase because maybe. time. I mean, I think but, they've, uh, think of the Doctor Strange movie when uh, Baron Mordor says you uh, the bill comes due when you mess with time, and then Tony Stark also in this one when Thanos and his ship crash in, or they they start blowing up uh, Avengers the facility, and uh, Tony says when you mess with time, time's messing with us back, and I, so I do think that's just two little phrases, but we'll carry on to the next phase and we'll see how it affects everyone. But Thanos only figured it out because he hacked Nebula. Definitely. Yeah. So or it's, did he hack? Yeah, I guess they, that is there was a bug. I, there was a bug in they, Nebula software, which I course, thought they shared Wi-Fi or something. Yeah, it was, it was a bug. And they start backing up each other's data yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah, which yeah, okay, that's what is, I got is a technical thing we won't get into. Because you think that's stupid? It's probably ridiculous, technically okay. speaking, but whatever. Like I said, I appreciate that I didn't have to think very much about it. Uh, and, and, they, and they just kind of like, it was a self-contained thing. Yeah. They didn't make it the focus of the movie. Well, they've done that. That's, I think that's been an overarching theme in all of the MCU's success, is that they don't try to explain everything they just say this is what it is and we're going to keep moving and they will do use things for plot devices they will uh change people's powers and when they feel it's necessary and sometimes they give a little background to it like thor i think they had to depower thor a little bit for this movie because last time we saw him he was the full god of thunder i mean he he hit thanos in the chest with his axe and thanos had all of the the gems so when we see him this time he's fat and he's depressed and i think that's a a relatable thing for a lot of people, but you see when he fights, he's definitely not the same guy. It was hilarious. I thought they were going to snap his fingers and he get all his powers back. And he, they sort of do that when he like his, his uniform at least comes back toward yeah, the end, right. but he's yeah. still clearly weakened, which was a right. was a great moment, I think. And then uh, obviously, so I thought the movie was extremely emotional. I shed a couple of tears 
from excitement and then at the end was sad obviously when tony dying and um and and i don't mean like i cried but i you just get excited get overwhelmed yeah you get choked up you get overwhelmed one tear will stream down my face and i'm like damn that's good and some of it was excitement when he when cat picks up the hammer when he calls the hammer i was like I was like, yes, this is fancy. This is right off the cover of a comic book. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and then when he, all the heroes rejoin and Cap's look on his face, like it was worth it to keep fighting and keep pushing just for that extra 10 seconds. And he was ready to take on Thanos and his entire army, but obviously he didn't have to do that. And then he gives the Avengers assemble line, which the whole theater for us, I don't know if you you guys had a, a, a fun theater, but see, I, I enjoy that stuff. The whole theater went nuts for us. Mm-hmm. I just, I'll never, Captain America as a character for me doesn't do the thing. He he doesn't, huh? Too much nope. of a uh, do-gooder? It's not even that. It's, it's, it's just bland. Maybe it is because he's a do-gooder. I find him to be boring. Like I people, people love way. the Winter Soldier movie and I'm like, whatever, it's Captain America. I don't, I don't care. I don't, oh, I, I don't know why we're making a whole movie about this scrawny little dude who gets injected with steroids and goes and finds his old buddy who's been turned into Not an evil agent. steroids. That's, that's, that's the story of Captain America. But I did love the See, Tony, you're Tony Stark. Stark in Avengers 1 right now. Everything special about you came out of a bottle is what he said. And says. I love Tony Stark as a but character. he's wrong. I don't Cap care. Is worthy. He picks up a hammer. I, I, I don't care. That's his, you can't change that. That's his this is, inner This is appealing compass. to the blue-collar, grit-loving Cincinnatians, and I get that. You think so? The people that loved Ryan Friel, who was a Cincinnati Red, may he rest in peace, who was the grittiest player that, that's ever played baseball, those are the same people that love Captain America. Oh, I don't know about that. I think the the... And I don't know if I'm conflating the two of them, but I think the progressives love Captain America and his take down the government attitude and, and the, you know, every, accepting of everyone, which you see in this, and fight for everyone no matter what. And his change of heart is what it makes him, in my opinion, such a great arc in his in this whole MCU from going from following orders, no questions asked, just wanted to serve at all costs, to not knowing where he stood, stands, to questioning everything, questioning the government, almost, I mean, he helps overthrow S.H.I.E.L.D., even though S.H.I.E.L.D. is corrupted, to... Again, still being a leader and moral support and moral compass for the Avengers in the world that's broken afterwards. And I think that's the reason why he's so great. But I also think Thor, his arc through 22 movies now, is uh, someone I never thought I would appreciate as much as I do. I think Thor is one of the better characters in the MCU. And that is in large part, I believe, due to Taika Waititi. Yeah, Ragnarok was so fantastic. That was a great movie. Uh, yeah, for me, the best parts of the movie all involved Tony Stark. That's fine. I think Tony is a fantastic character. I mean, obviously, they've built the the universe around him. He started it. They finished it with him. You yep. could end this right now, and I wouldn't care. Even yeah, though I want to see what happens and how they go with it. And I, I Spider-Man's my favorite character, and we get a trailer for him coming out soon for you know, for that next movie. But Will uh, someone finally make a good Spider- No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies a lot, actually. Surprisingly, they're better than, I think, uh, their reputation, because uh, the way they handle Gwen Stacy's death, I think, is amazingly fantastic. Probably the most, one of the most emotional scenes in a, um, in a comic book movie until recently with the latest two Avengers movies. But, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it, overall they crushed it, and they're, it's getting all this money and hype, and I think it's well-deserved. Yeah, 
I think people have talked about this a lot, and I agree with it. The idea that that Avatar somehow is the highest grossing film of all time is is insane because nobody Gross. remembers Avatar. It, it made zero cultural impact on anybody anywhere. Except actually, that might not be entirely true, but very small cultural footprint when you go back and look at it. Whereas Avengers yeah. has this whole subculture that has Easy. just erupted yeah. around how successful these movies have been. Yeah, and it's funny because I thought about this about Avengers, uh, not Avengers, about uh, um, what am I, Avatar. A few years ago when Disney said they're building an Avatar section to their park, and I think an Animal Kingdom, and that it was signed on for three more movies, and I, I'm like, what? Was Avatar even good? And then that's when I learned the box office numbers too. And so I hope Avengers takes it down just for that, just so we can – Geez, you know, why did it even get up there? Because of the 3D technology at the time they were like pushing. It was like the first big 3D thing with, with Cameron. Yeah. And it looks great and it's amazing. But, man, it's just, I think it's a very formulaic movie. And it's, you know. Oh, come on. Superhero movie. You're gonna, you can't complain about it being formulaic. Well, I think they find new ways to be in, interesting in these superhero movies. People say, oh, it's just a superhero movie, comic book movie. But I think they continuously find a new angle or a new thing to push that you haven't seen yet. And we've seen a lot of comic book superhero movies. Yeah. But we haven't seen anything like the last two Avengers where they lose completely at the end. And then the, and then this last one where they figure out a way to come back. And, and, and I mean, that that's unique in my opinion. And then sometimes the origin stories can be a bit formulaic. And I think we get less and less of those as we go on. And we end up losing one main character, really? Oh, two. Tony Stark right. and, and Black Widow. Cap, right. Cap gets his, he gets to sail off into the sunset for some reason. What do you mean? You don't think that was right? You hate Captain America. I do. And he gives, he gives the shield to uh, Falcon rather who, than which, Who cares? What do you mean, who cares? You don't like Why that? Why do I care about Falcon? I don't care about Falcon. Falcon's been such a great character, I think. Oh, I think he's I been a, a great a character. He's added a lot of humor and heart and down to earth to I think I think Cap needed that in Winter Soldier for people to really get in on that movie. Uh, Falcon plays a, a big role. I think role. this just reflects how little I care about the Captain America storylines. I hear it in your voice. I see it in your face. Oh, it's down it's with just Captain like, America. Man, no, it's just like I just don't care. Like, sure, you get to go back in time and you return all this stuff, and then it's like, you know what? Screw all my friends and everybody. I'm just gonna hang out with this. And and how does that work? Oh, no, we talked about the timeline. The timeline does make sense. Never mind. He was on a different timeline at that point by going back and doing that. Um, so he, you know, and that's the thing what you got to look at, too, is he sacrificed his entire adult life. I mean, from 18 to whatever he is right there in that time frame, 38 or so, I'd say, in that range, um, because he was frozen for seven years. But uh, he has given his whole life to sacrifice and duty and and. and you know, protecting others for him to go take 60 years on his own and live his life. Yeah. I think he deserves that. That's all he wanted. It's so different than Iron Man too. I, and they, they really played that up. I think in the, in this movie with Iron Man of how he can't rest until people are saved until he feels people are safe. And until his he rest can... gets to be him being dead. Cap's rest gets to be him having a happily ever after life. It was the only way it was the one out of Tony Stark saves the goddamn world. Captain America cleans up afterwards, goes on a, a, a restorative mission, and gets to live happily ever after for having done jack shit. That's why I don't like it. I think Tony had to do this for his Tony. When you get him in Iron Man one, and he's been a 
a warmonger basically he's the stark industries is sold to both sides of the of the fight um people have died innocent people have died he comes to grips with this and devotes his life to saving people and i think that is the entire arc of this thing and that at the end is he really is atoning for his sins and his past and making it all right and finishing what he started and making sure everyone was safe at the end so i think that was a very fitting out for tony whereas yeah, I, would cap, have, I would have loved it if cap had put the glove on and snapped cap might have survived it tony was just a human i would have loved it if cap had put the glove on you just want to see him die, man. You have so much anger no, coming out of you. No, because then there would be he would have done something. He would have. He did do his, something. He would have earned his outcome. No, he got his ass beat for twenty movies. No, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Talking about Cap that way, uh, Steve Rogers. He fought himself in this movie. Yeah, that was funny. That was that, that was, that was, a, that was his most enjoyable scene, I think. You know what? The best, second best scene then was when he gets in the elevator again, right? It looks like the scene that from uh, Winter I, Soldier. And he yeah. goes, don't worry. I just talked to the director. And he leans in, Hell Hydra. And all their guys, their whole faces are like, oh, man, Cap's with us. And he walks out with it, walks out with the scepter. Fantastic. I was so ready for him to say, you know, before we get started, does anyone want to get off and then start kicking ass again like he did before? And, of course, they don't give you that because you would expect it and it give you a great moment instead. Character growth. Yes. Are there any other, any other no. burning topics we want to talk about with this movie? No, that's it. Unless people have questions, and I'm sure the people will send us questions or, or topics or disagreements on your Cap hatred. Fine. I don't care. I don't care what you <laughs> think of Caps in America. He's boring and didn't deserve anything he got. Jeez, man. Okay, maybe maybe didn't deserve anything. Got a little bit harsh. Every human, you got deserves, a bug in your room. Yeah, I know. Every I was trying to kill it during the show. Every oh, was human, that what you were throwing around? I saw you. Yeah, yeah. Nobody else heard that. I muted my mic for that. I was trying to kill this was giant bug. Um, every human deserves basic love and dignity and and family and all those Ish. things. And and that's true for Steve Rogers too. But I just think that the end he got. I, I think I wanted I wanted Tony Stark to get. I wanted to see Tony Stark sail off into the sunset instead of die and leave his poor wife and daughter. And he just stared off into the. I don't even know if he saw any of them as he was dying. They all came to talk to him, Rhodey, uh, Peter Parker, and then and then uh, Pepper. And like he didn't. He just his eyes were glazed over and looking off. That's my. That's one of my regrets that we didn't. He didn't get to say anything. That's that's how it is though. And for anybody that watches Game of Thrones, you know that's how it is. You you don't get last words. No, you just die. Yeah, I am, I am Iron Man. He finishes it with, I guess, last words. Yeah, I guess he's no longer Tony Stark. Well, that's and that's the that's the arc. That's the thought is that he is Iron Man completely. He's here yeah. to save and protect. There's some there's some poeticism to that, or yeah. poetry to that. I guess I don't know. Anyway, let's wrap up. We've gone okay. on for an hour and 22 minutes on this podcast. I was going to cut the grass today. You still could. It's only no, 3. No, i got to leave by... Uh, no, it's 4.15. i got to leave by 4.30 for work. Joe's got to go to work, guys. This has been the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. Thanks for hanging out. Hopefully, you've seen the Avengers if you listened to the last 20 minutes. We will be back on Tuesday night with Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. Until then, have a good one, Bengals fans.